What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great and having a wonderful weekend. If you are new to Grace Church, my name is Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor. And I know there in, that, in the announcements, we got to celebrate my wife and for her birthday. But I also wanted to just share a couple of recent pictures uh, that were taken of her. This is the warrior that is on staff with us and pastor here. And she is amazing. Uh, she's incredible. She's so brave and courageous. Uh, this is something her and I got to do this past weekend. And, and we were victorious. Uh, it was wonderful. I don't know if you're into stuff like that or not, but it was just uh, kind of a bucket list for me, and she willingly came along with. So come on, wives, like, what's up? Let's go with your man and go out and hang out. So I'm so proud of her and, and who she is. She's an incredible woman. It's great to celebrate her. Uh, so we are in week two of a money series, and this is uh, something that is, is very passionate uh, in my heart that I'm passionate about. Uh, we love to talk about here at a church uh, in, in Grace Church because money is something that you and I use every day. We make financial decisions every single day. When you look at the cans on the shelf in the grocery store, you decide which one you're going to pick. Maybe it's the pretty label. Maybe it's the price tag. I don't know, but we make decisions about things every single day. The things that we put in our home, the things that we put on our skin, like we, we all the time. And so it's so important to us. And so one of the things that I wanted to, to address and kind of focus on was if, if you and I or if society tells a lie long enough, what happens is because of the repetition, because of the inundation of that lie, sometimes we allow ourselves to believe that lie as though it were true. And the, and the devil does that to you and I all the time. He'll say, you're not good enough. You're not valuable. You're not, you can't do that. And that's not true, right? So the devil does that. And, and sometimes we do that to ourselves. Sometimes others do that. Um, but here's the reality. Just because it's, it's something that has become indoctrinated in us and, and we, we get saturated with it time and time again, it does not make it true, right? It's still a lie. But we have to recognize it and be able to see it. And so sometimes we know things that are a lie and there's people that believe the lie and we look at them and we're going, what's the deal? Like, you're crazy. Like, that's not even true. And so like, we have to understand that. And so we have been marketed to seriously big time, like, like billions of dollars have been marketed towards you and I annually regarding the aspect of debt regarding going into debt and buying things and making purchases. And so what happens is we just, we just kind of go along with it. Other people are in debt. We're in debt. It just is part of culture, right? And so culture is preaching to us that it's okay to be in debt. It's okay to have monthly payments. It's okay. But that does not mean it's right. Okay, that's a lie that we have to recognize. And so for us here at Grace Church, we always take a look at God's word. What does God's word say for us? Because if you don't feel like you're, you go, all right, in a certain area of your life, right? If you feel like you're a little bit overweight, you go, all right, diet and exercise. I, I want to be winning in my physical health. You know, so in your business, I want to be more strategic. If there's an area that you're not winning in, then you probably need to make some type of change, right? Or else you're going to continue to get the same results. And so maybe right now in your life, you feel like you're not winning in the area of finances and resources and wealth. And so I'm here to tell you and encourage you Maybe, just maybe, it's time to change something. 
right? It's time to change the perspective. It's time to change the understanding uh, because if your money isn't working for you, then you're working for it and it has brought you into bondage. And so last week, I preached like a, a very just sound, practical, kind of broad message on money. If you weren't here, I definitely would encourage you to listen to it, especially if you're having financial issues. But today, I'm going to be targeting specifically the bondage of debt and the aspect of debt that that brings, because it, it starts with like credit card debt, and then it starts with car loan debt, and then maybe student loan debt. And, or maybe you're one of the lucky ones and you go, all three of those uh, are, are, maybe it's your life right now, or maybe that's your past or, or your story and what's going on. But you, what happens is society tells us like we just naturally enter into a cycle of debt and potentially for our entire life. I mean, isn't that so true? Like, there are people that are in debt for their entire life. Car payments, mortgage, paying tens, if not hundreds of thousands, if not potentially millions of dollars in interest over the course of your lifetime. So if you were to look at the span of your life, how much money are you giving because of interest? And so we're going to address that. And we have allowed it. And so I'm here to challenge you that maybe, just maybe, we need to make a change because I don't want that for you anymore. And I certainly know that God does not want that for you in your life either. And it's a big deal. So I just need you to, to open up your mind a little bit, open up your heart, open up your spirit to just maybe what, what God might show because I'm here to tell you there is another way. There's a better way. Okay? So let me ask you just a couple of questions. Um, who or what determines truth for you in your life? Earlier, I was talking about lies and truth, right? So what, where or who determines truth? So how do you determine right from wrong? If you say, well, this is right and that's wrong. And so what, what is, what is that, that gauge, that, that plumb line that you, that you measure things between you know, right and wrong? And so for me, uh, and here at Grace Church, it's the Bible, right? We believe the Bible is God's word. We believe it's authoritative. We believe it's inspirational. We believe it's a guide for us to understand him and who he is. But also, uh, it, it gives us this direction that we need. But some people don't look at scripture. When, when I ask them, well, who or what determines right or wrong? They say, well, I do. And so, you know, for themselves, they just kind of decide the things that we want. Or sometimes we even allow other people to decide for us what we should do and how we should go about our decisions. Now, maybe you do that in your life. If that's the case, like I hope that you make a shift and anything in our life that's not working, we know it, right? We look at it and it, it may, we, we may want to avoid it if we're totally honest. We're like, I don't want to talk about money. Like, are you kidding me? Because you know it's not going well. But here's the deal. If we were to sit down and just kind of take a step back, if we were to evaluate or rank or give some type of rating, or judge for ourselves, right? If we were to judge for ourselves how we're doing in the area of finances, how we're doing in the area of debt, if you're just making it by, like you, you probably would be able to admit, you just, you, maybe you're not doing so well. So I need you to judge for yourself. And Jesus did the same thing. Let me give you an example in uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse 18. He says, it says, in the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. And he, and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs. 
but there were only leaves. And he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. So here's the deal. It was time for the fig tree to be producing figs, but it wasn't. It was the season. It was the harvest, but it wasn't. And so Jesus was like, you are not giving the production that is, that is necessary. So Jesus brought down judgment on that tree. And so I would say that debt has been marketed to us so aggressively that it has become a regular part of our lifestyle and we have accepted it. And so I just want to share with you, if you were to judge for yourself, your own personal finances, and you look at the results, are you like a fig tree that's supposed to be having production and a harvest and yet there's no fruit that's coming as a result? And so you need to judge for yourself. And when we look at scripture uh, as a church and as, as Christ followers, never ever is debt communicated as a positive thing. Debt is always communicated. Even in Proverbs, it says that, the, that you're a fool if you go into debt. There's multiple scriptures that, that talk about slavery and, and make the relation between slavery and, and indebtedness. I mean, it just, it's never positive like being in debt. And so in, in saying that, just so we're clear, like on the theology of salvation, it doesn't prevent you to, from getting into heaven, right? If you, if you love Jesus and you follow after him and he's your Lord, then yes, you, you get entrance into heaven. But it's like, how much do you have to carry through your life that's dragging you down? And so I just want to encourage you, we can avoid that and we can eliminate it. And so I, like, we're going to address a few things. So I want you to have a new way of thinking. We need to learn some new things. Because it's not about intelligence. If you, if you think about it, really, it's about knowledge. Because I believe that we can be smart, but still not know everything. And so you maybe are going to know and understand some of the principles that I'm going to share, but it's possible that you just haven't applied them yet. And so maybe we're, we need to do that. And so here's my story and where my passion comes from. I graduated high school with no debt. How many of you graduated high school, put your hand up, and you had no debt, right? All of us, right? We're like, hey, I graduated, no debt. It felt amazing. Then I went to college, and they gave me a credit card application in the registration line for my freshman year. Wow, this is amazing. Are you kidding me? This is great. And so there was the first step for me. I had a $600 credit limit at a, as a college student. I had zero income. And they willingly gave me that application and willingly gave me that credit card. And then I, I graduated with a bachelor's degree four and a half years later. And I had $48,000 in student loan debt when I was done. After graduating, I bought a newer car uh, for $14,000 at an 8.5% uh, interest rate. Because I had so much student debt and I had just graduated, I didn't really have any income or proof of it yet, but I needed this car and, and so that they, they gave it to me at a very high interest rate. I got married and put a large portion of the wedding expense and honeymoon on the credit card. I felt like I was being swallowed in debt right out of the gate. Now, thankfully, my story is not my wife's story. My wife's story is she had zero dollars in student loan debt, and she owned her car. So that's amazing. We're so thankful for that. It's incredible. It's something that her parents helped her with, and, and so we love that. But I knew that something in me had to change. Like, my story had to change. Something was different. And, and what I had learned, unfortunately, I learned the hard way. And so that's why I stand before you with so much passion. 
And so, so teenagers, young people, like it can be different. If you're a 20-something and you're in debt, like I just, like things can change and turn around. Even if you're older, like I, th- th- these are principles we need to apply. So my wife and I, we lived in a one-bedroom, one-bedroom, one-bath, 900 square feet apartment when we were married, and we started aggressively attacking my debt. And we knew we needed to do that, and I wanted to do that, and it just was the reality. So our date nights were anything for free. Anything that was free, we did it. Like we just, we would go on walks because we didn't have to pay gas money. We would walk to the grocery store across the street. I mean, anything, and, and here's the deal. Like we would go to the park, we would play tennis, we would go to the beach, and just like a little marriage tip, you do not have to spend money to have fun. We had so much fun, and we spent zero dollars doing it. It was just about quality time together. And so, like, it just, it was, we loved it. You know, we, we knew what we were doing, and we were accomplishing those things regarding debt, and, and we just were enjoying each other because we were enslaved, and we didn't want to be there anymore. And so, if you look at the current society, current, you know, just status, and, and oftentimes, not all, but sometimes uh, young people after they graduate from college or if they're newly married, there's this mindset or this just kind of hope or dream that they want to have the same standard of living that their parents have, but they want to do it much, much more rapidly at, at a faster rate early. And so just even being married a few years, um, you know, they, they want the, the, the nice house, the, you know, the, the four bedroom and not the one bedroom. And, and it's like, well, we want multiple bathrooms. We want multiple nice cars. But the reality is, is, is oftentimes, you know, our parents took 35 years and, and stepped up to that standard of living and started in the, you know, one bedroom and kind of worked their way up. But young people now, they just, they want it out of the gate. And, and they're willing to go into debt to do it. So you buy that big, nice house, and you have a big, fat mortgage. You, you have that nice car that you drive into your, to your job, and you have, you're not, but it's not just one, but you both have them, and so, and, but you have two car payments you know, for those. And so that just what happens is just that, that, that debt load builds up. And so Scripture tells us that the borrower is slave to the lender. And one of the top causes for divorces in America is financial problems. And so I just, I want to challenge you a little bit. You know, if you were to judge for yourself, rate yourself right now, where are you at based on your standard of living and income and, and your age? And so where are you at? How, how are you doing this? Because it doesn't have to be that way, right? If you would say, it's not so great, I'm not winning. It does not have to be that way. It's not easy but I'm telling you, you can absolutely be set free if you work hard at it, if you aggressively attack debt, if you cut your accounts, if you sell things you don't need, if you stay committed to it. And here's the reality. It's countercultural, right? Your friends might look at you and go, what in the world is going on? What do you mean you're not coming out again with us on Saturday night? Like, what? But there's changes that have to make. So it's countercultural, but God's standards are different than culture. And we've got to recognize that and be willing to, to live by the discipline and obedience that his scripture gives to us. Because it's difficult to be generous when you're one month from bankruptcy. It's difficult you know, when you're living paycheck to paycheck to be generous towards somebody else who's in need and you know it, but there's nothing you can do about it. 
It, when we're at that place you know, of, of living, in, we, we even can't think rationally. We just make irrational decisions. And, and sometimes we got to that place because we believed the lie. And so I want to turn things around. And I know the Lord does as well. And hopefully you do too. Um, so let me just give you kind of a, a few practical just stories and examples. Maybe uh, you have gone into the car dealership before. Um, so when you go into the car dealership, right, and, and, and if you're in the auto industry, like, I, it's great, like, I'm happy for you, I'm glad that you're employment, but here's the deal. When, when those of us, when, when we walk into the car dealership, we see this just parade of vehicles, this whole lot that's full of all the cars that we ever wanted to have when we were a kid and we want now as an adult, and it's in every single color that we could ever imagine, right? And, and we want it, and so then we go, we're gonna, I'm gonna test drive it. Like we need to test it first. I mean, come on. We, it's a brand new car. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It drives fast. That, that's one of my preferences. I don't know what yours is, but you, maybe you want safe. Okay, safe is great for you. And so but what happens is, you know, you test drive it, and the, the, the salesperson has been trained to say and ask a question, how does it feel? Like, how does that car, that truck, that sports car, like, how does it feel when you're driving it? I mean, are you kidding me? Of course it feels great. Like, we stomp on the gas, and we're like, wow, it really corners well. It's nice, and the handling, and can you smell that? We all know that the, the new car smell we talk about, there's even jokes about that because it's reality. And so then, after we tell them we loved it and it felt great, we see, and then the next thing that they're trained to, to do in sales is, well, let's go in and talk some numbers, right? They just, they just want to talk. Like, let's just, let's just sit down and take a look you know, at the numbers and, and see what we can do for you. Right? And all of a sudden, we're sucked in, like it feels good. And like, oh, and so, so nice. Like he wants to help me and, and see what he can do for me. And so what's the next question they ask? Well, what do you want your car payment to be? How much do you want to pay a month? And so here's the average car payment in America in quarter one of 2019. The most current statistic I could find was $554 a month. So that's $6,648 a year paying for that new car that you purchased. And no longer is it like 60 months. It's now 72 months is, is kind of normal. So that's six years to finance. You bought it for $30,000, but at the end of those six years, you paid thirty-nine. dollars So you paid $9,000 in interest. And at the end of the term of the loan, six years later, the car that you bought for thirty, dollars paid thirty-nine, dollars is now worth a fraction of what you paid for it, only just a short few years later. And it doesn't smell good anymore. <laughs> right? Everything that I just said, you all know is true. You do. You know, like I didn't fudge on anything. It's true. It's reality. It's statistical. We felt it. But many of us, we've bought into it. And we've done it. And we've, we, like, and, and so society kind of tells us it's okay. And our emotions got wrapped up in it. We can't have emotional ties to financial decisions. So here's what 
maybe we could do something different, right? And I'm going to challenge you. What if over the next year, you saved $500 a month instead of putting it towards a vehicle, instead of, you saved $500. And so after a year, of course, you would have $6,000. So what if after that, that year and that $6,000, you went out and bought, you bought a used vehicle, with a lot of miles on it for six grand, you paid cash. Like after just a year of saving, you, you paid cash for that vehicle. And then the next five years, instead of continuing to pay for that vehicle, that's going to be worth what you just could have paid for after saving for a year. The next five years, that $30,000, that's extra, right? So because you're not making that payment on that vehicle that you just paid cash for. What if you put that money into a savings account? After five years, instead of having a, a, a depreciating resource that's worth significantly less, you would have 30 grand in cash. Everybody say cash. Cash. It just feels good, doesn't it? Car debt, in my opinion, is one of the worst forms of debt that we enter into as Americans. Get ready here. Consumer debt, in my opinion, is next. Uh, so all you shoppers out there, get ready. Here it comes. It's your turn. So because they're using, they're using marketing, right? They're, they're using mannequins. They're using comparison. Compare yourself to somebody else. Do you have it? You want it. You know you want to look like them. And, and so, but we just, we go, oh, it'll be okay. I'll just use the card. Now I'll insert the chip. No problem. And I'll just pay the monthly payment. Like it'll be, oh, I can afford that. Just the monthly payment. And so he, we have got to break the cycle of debt. Uh, we have to break the cycle of debt and to think that we can use debt to buy the things that we want. It is just, that's not biblical. It's not godly. It's not right. And so, and I mean, let's be honest, we don't even need over half the stuff that we own. Come on, somebody, you got like stuff in your garage, stuff in your attic, you got a storage unit, you don't even need over half the stuff that you got, that you bought for, that you bought with a credit card. Is anybody listening? Anybody out there, are you hearing me? Awesome, some of you are really mad right now, and I get it, it's okay. You, you'll, you'll thank me sometime, maybe. Um, so we've got to stop spending money to impress other people because most of those people, we don't even like them anyway. So why are we trying to impress them? And so getting out of debt is tough. I, like I am not going to lie. It is tough. And, and your situation might be different than mine and we're all unique and I get it, but it's going to be challenging. So for us in our story, it took us about five years to aggressively, I mean aggressively pay down that debt, but we did it. Uh, we did it, and we had a party afterwards. We invited all of our friends. We called it an out-of-debt party. It's something we had learned from one of the financial connection groups that we had gone through. So we had a party, and the car that I bought, right, when I was just out of college that I paid too much for and I had such a high interest rate, I drove that car for 14 years. 14 years. Not four, and then traded it back in for the next one. 14 years. Right, I mean, it, it was it was to the point where just like it it, it, it was running, um, but I was willing to do it. So we have to be willing to pay the price and to do the hard work. Like it's hard work and it's challenging. So let me give you uh, a passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter six, starting in verse one. Here's what Solomon says. He says, "My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, follow my advice yourself." by your agreement, and are caught by what you said. Follow my advice and save yourself. 
for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride and go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. So this, this, this passage of scripture talks about multiple layers of debt. It talks about co-signing. It talks about the friend that you uh, are, are, are connected with. And so oftentimes, who wants to be our friend? It's the car dealer. It's the, the, the retail company. Like they, they are posing themselves as friends and saying, oh, it'll be okay. This will feel good. This is right. But like we are being enslaved to them and what we purchase. And so we have to understand that connection. But there's a really cool verse there at the end. He gives this like, he gives this animal analogy. I don't know if you're in the animal kingdom or not, but here's the deal. When you think about a gazelle, a gazelle is on, you know, the plains of Africa. The hunters, you know, not human hunters, but the main hunters for a gazelle are other predators, right? One of them is a cheetah, okay? If you don't know this, the cheetah is the fastest land animal on the planet. Okay, fastest mammal, and so the cheetah is faster than the gazelle. And so the gazelle is in trouble, isn't it? And so the gazelle has to flee like it's being hunted. And so, but, but here's the deal. The gazelle is absolutely motivated, isn't it? It doesn't want to be eaten. The, the cheetah's just chasing it for a meal, but the gazelle is running for its life. So here's what I want to share with you from Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Run for your life from debt. That's what King Solomon is saying. Run as fast as you can, as if something is chasing you to enslave you, to embondage you, to kill you, to destroy you. Because if you get to the end of your life and all you have done for your entire life is to make payments, then you will have been a slave for your entire life. And here in our country, we understand what it is to talk about slavery and communicate it and what it is to be out of slavery, physical slavery and ownership. And then certainly here in the church, we understand what it is to be a slave to sin and to be bound by our sin. But thank you, God, for Jesus and who he is that he set us free. And so we do not have to be enslaved to our finances anymore. And so stop telling yourself that you can't do this. Some of you have been sitting there and you've been having negative self-talk. You're like, oh, this is great. I'm glad he's talking about this, but there's no way for us. Man, I, can't, I know he's talking about that, but I don't know if we want to do that. And so please be open to what the Lord might be communicating and saying and, and silence what the enemy might be saying. Allow the Holy Spirit and follow the biblical principles, the, fin- the sound financial principles that the Lord gives to us. So one of the things that you need to do is something that uh, Dave Ramsey preaches about, and it's called a debt snowball. So right now, I want you to think of all of the debts that you have, right? So maybe you have some consumer debt, some cards, you know, in your wallet, in your purse. Maybe you have some car debt, maybe two car loans, your mortgage, student loans. So there's uh, some payday loans, right? There's, there's various different types of debt that have been marketed to us that we have sought out, and now we're in that. So what it is, that the way the debt snowball works is... You lay out all of your debts, and you start with the, the one 
or the company that you own, you owe the least to. So let's say you have some consumer debt, a credit card, and you got you know $500 of debt on it. You start with that one, and you pay that one off as fast as you can. Then instead of taking that money that now you're not paying to them, you now you don't go out and spend it on something else or get another card. You you cut the card, and then you the snowball is now you roll all that money into the next one. You know, maybe it's six hundred dollars or seven fifty or a grand, or so you roll it all into that one, and so you've eliminated one card, and you're snowballing into the next one to get rid of that, and then to snowball into the next one and the next one, right? So what happens is we pay the smallest balance off, balance off first, and here's it makes us feel good, right? You you feel like you've had some success, you begin to develop some momentum, and you feel good about it. So that's the debt snowball. And so I want to challenge you, if you have multiple layers of debt in multiple ways, begin the debt snowball. And so here's, here's five, five points that, that I want to give to you. And maybe you need to take a picture as we go along, but five things to do to get out of debt. One is don't borrow any more money, okay? Don't borrow any more money. You as a single person, you as a couple, as a family, right now you make the decision, we're not going to borrow any more money. So the credit cards that you have, you can cut them up. And so you can cut them up and you can still owe on them and they can be cut up because then you're going to snowball the debt and get rid of them, but then you won't use that card anymore. So you're not going to use debt anymore. And so let's be real just for a moment. That's easy for me to say, isn't it? And some of you maybe have tried this before, but there will be a test, right? You'll take that credit card and you'll be like, I'm doing this. We're doing this. We're going to eat ramen six days a week. Like we're not going to go into debt anymore. And you're going to cut the card up and you're going to walk out tomorrow morning for work and your tire is going to be flat in your car and you're going to go, I cut the card up already and it's a test. What are you going to do? How's it going to work? Because maybe you don't have the cash to go to the tire place to pay for it in cash and you're like, oh. And maybe a tire is a simple example. Maybe it's something else. Your washing machine, your air conditioner, right? There's going to be a test. Let's be real about it. So how do we get to the place where we successfully pass the test? And so the first step is to not borrow any more money. The second one is we're going to start saving, right? And this this is what helps us to accomplish that. The first one is we're going to start saving money. The the first goal is to have $1,000 in a savings account. You just put a grand aside. And and so you have the flat tire. You have the broken washing machine. You got cash in your savings account. You go and you you buy it with cash, right? You take care of it. Then after you save $1,000, then the goal is to have one month of expenses. One month of expenses, you know, whatever it is, if you pay rent or more, mortgage, utilities, you know, groceries, right? With the, the, just the normal money we need to live, that then you have one month worth of, of income in savings, and then you grow it to two months and three months, and then your savings account continue to grow, and then you're saving for your car as well, because you, you're driving that car, and you know at some point in time, it's not going to run forever, so you're saving that 500 a month. You're putting that aside for a car in the future, so we're going to start saving money, number two. Number three, we're going to sell something, Right? We're going to sell something because I guarantee you have, you have lots of stuff that you don't need. 
You don't need any, so we're going to sell it because it, it's taking up money. It's taking up resources. That, that we're, So Craigslist, eBay, like, come on, where are my Facebook Marketplace people? Put your hand up. Like, pr- Facebook Marketplace is where it's at. Like, if you don't know what that is, you've got to find it, not to buy, but to sell. Like, you're going to sell something, and so we're going to get rid of unnecessary purchases, like the stuff you know you don't need, you're going to put it up for sale and you're going to sell it. Somebody's going to take it. They're going to give you money back for it. Is it going to be less than what you paid for? Absolutely. But no longer are you in debt to that. You don't have it. It's not going to be you know, part of your life. You're going to have extra cash to pay down your snowball of debt. And so because we're going to use that as one of the ways that we can have number four, which is to make more money. Because we need to make more money. Let's be like we're going we're gonna to spend less, live on less, and we're going to make more and earn some more cash. So maybe, just maybe, for this next season of your life, you're going to take on a part-time job. Maybe you work 40 hours, which is great. It's amazing. But hey, in this next season, you maybe need to work 50 or 60. You're going to take on a part-time job or two. Uh, you, you maybe need to work some overtime. You need to start your own like little side business. Maybe you're just going to mow some lawns. Uh, remember in Proverbs, it was saying, hey, swallow your pride. Put your pride aside and start going to mow some lawns. One of the things I did for, for my middle son is I bought him a pressure washer. I was like, we're going to teach you. To, you're going to have your own money. And he, he didn't like, get all of it. Like I was kind of showing him and stuff. But I went and I got a pressure washer because I needed one too. And we used it for the driveway and sidewalk and love HOA. So we got to take all take care. And I was like, we're going to go to the neighbors. We're going to ask them. If you can pressure wash their driveway, and he just kind of looked at me like, what? Because he's a little bit introverted, and, and he's like, Dad, I, I, are you serious? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm very serious. So we walked around, and let me tell you something. What was awesome? We would open, he would ring the doorbell. I gave him a little speech, right? I helped him. It was great. We'd, he was standing at the door, and the people would go, oh, you're 13, and you want to pressure wash my driveway? How much? Like, how How much? How much can I pay? Person after person said, I'm so proud of you being a teenager, being willing to go out and work to earn some money. How much? And homeboy got some tips. Let me tell you, he got tips. And, and, and he would walk away. Sometimes they would write cash, and he, or, or they would write out a check, and he would, hold, he would look at me like, Dad, what do I do with this? I'm like, here's cash. Like, I would just give him cash. And he's like, he's holding, like, bills, and he's going, this is amazing. Right? So we're going to work a little bit more. We're going to get a side job. We're going to, you know, and, and so I also want to say this. Single moms, like, we see you. Right? We see you working three part-time jobs. We are so proud of you. This is not us saying to you, you got to work more. We know you're working all you can, and you're providing for your family. We are so proud of you. And so we're going to do these things, right? And we're going to walk alongside of you, and you're going to experience number four. And then we get to five, and this is where all of us, we're going to begin to pray. Right? We're going to beg God to do something amazing because he loves every single one of you so much, so much. So we're going to do the practical, and we're going to do the divine, right? We're not just doing this for for our sake, but literally we're going to follow God's commands and beg him, and he's going to look down as a proud dad and go, I see what you're doing. I want to bless you. I want to reward you. I, I want to make your car last longer than maybe it should. And let me tell you, there are plenty of families that have stories in this church that have done this, and they've seen change. One of them recently uh, took the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace class, and they shared with us just recently that in one year, they paid $15,000 towards credit card debt. One year. Why? 
determination. Run for your life. Facebook Marketplace, right? Cutting up the credit cards, getting after it, begging God, because let's be honest, if we're in debt, it is squeezing us. We are getting choked by the debt. And sometimes we don't even realize it, but the life is getting squeezed out of us. So we need hope in Christ. We're going to pray and beg God and pursue after him. We're going to live a debt-free lifestyle. And so we're, we're going to ask that God would help us in every single area of our life, right? And we do that, but oftentimes we leave money out. God bless my business. God bless my marriage. Bless my kids. But we don't ask God about our money and resources, do we? We ask him for more stuff, for more things. But what if we just began just to surrender our finances to the Lord and say, you know what, I'm going to follow you because things aren't working. And so here's the whole understanding that we have to get. Imagine just for a moment what we could do together as a church if we weren't enslaved to monthly payments. Imagine what we could do for God's kingdom in blessing other people, single moms, orphans, those that are in need, the homeless, housing. Imagine what we could do together if we weren't so bound to our monthly payment. That's what this is about. And so I hope that this is something that has pierced your soul and your mind and that you know that you need to, if you're married, you need to have a conversation right? You need to talk through it with your spouse. You need to be determined and make some changes. And for some of us here, you know, in the auditorium, um, some of this is, is spiritual as well. Because I've been talking about being in debt and being enslaved. And some of you aren't yet surrendered to Christ. You're enslaved in sin and you're, you don't have a savior. You're not committed to follow Christ fully like you're a part-time Christian or you're a convenience type Christian. And so that's not what the Lord requires of us. He wants us to surrender all of us and all that we are. So if I were to ask you the question, if you were to die today, like the unfortunate circumstances, a tragic accident, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Are you 100% sure? And so if you're sitting there in the auditorium or you're listening online and and your answer is ooh no i'm kind of sure i think maybe that doesn't cut it okay it's it's 100% and the lord gives us the assurance of salvation because of jesus because of his life because of his death on the cross for you and i he paid our debt to our for our sin he redeemed us he's the one that took the penalty for us which is incredible and so now by putting our faith and believing in him it says that our spirit is born again and we're rejuvenated and we can have eternity in heaven so if everybody here in the auditorium if you'd be willing to bow your head and close your eyes nobody looking around just so we could kind of have a moment just you and i if, if if you're one of those people that you know and with that question i ask you are you 100 percent sure that you're going to go to heaven and you weren't you weren't sure and you know you want to make a change about that i just would ask that you would go ahead and slip your hand up you know you need jesus go ahead and put your hand up right now you're like i need to make a commitment to follow christ thank you so much i see your hand anybody else go ahead and put them up you know like this is a big deal this is a, a huge moment for us you know you need christ yeah thank you so much i see your hands 
You can go ahead and slip them back down. So what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna pray and I would just ask that you would pray along with me. Just pray to yourself. This is a conversation between you and God. Maybe you say something like this and you can repeat after me if you want. Say, dear God, I know I need you. Jesus, I know I need you in my life. I know that I'm disconnected from you and I want you to be Lord over me. And so, Lord, right now, I surrender to you. I surrender all that I am, all that I have, all that I'm not. I give it all to you. Jesus, I believe that you are God's son and that you died for me. And so would you come into my life and change me that I might know you and follow you. And Father, right now, I also pray for the people in the auditorium that are in debt and are challenged and have felt squeamish for the last 35 minutes. Father, I pray right now that you would rain down from on high, that you would cause us to be encouraged, that you would cause us to be uplifted. Lord, that you would give us the strength the determination, the obedience, the, the willingness to make changes in our finances, to cut things that we don't need, to sell things that we don't need, and that today would be different. Lord, that you would be glorified. Lord, we lift you up and we praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.